Hey, welcome to another episode of the Online Selling Partner Podcast. I'm Isaiah Fritz, CEO of Online Selling Partner, and this is my co-host, Ethan Davis. Ethan, what do Worker you do? of Online Selling Partner. <laughs> what do you do here, Ethan? That's a great question. I would like to answer it by telling you I don't know what I do, but that's okay, because I really do whatever you need me to do. But my main duty... <laughs> If I had to pick one, <laughs> is I direct marketplace solutions. So all the nitty gritty back end of Amazon. Yes, I handle true. that fun stuff. But all the all the fun part of our job. Fun, fun is a very yeah. relative term. That is true. That is true. You know, some people have fun. They go snowboarding or ice skating or whatever. And Ethan has fun by talking to Amazon. A colleague, everybody in India, it's on the Amazon team. Hey, update this listing. Yep. Ramesh and I go way back. It's <laughs> true. <laughs> we talk every day. <laughs> anyway. All right, guys. Well, today I think we have a really uh, special pod. <clears throat> I want to just talk about something that is really relevant for any uh company out there really but any team especially and, and i'm going to definitely kind of slant it from our experience from selling on amazon and talk about our team team building how we've built our team and probably arguably the greatest asset of any company is their team and how their team works together you know a lot of people <clears throat> focus on hey my greatest asset for my company is we have this proprietary software that blah 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 and whatever whatever which yeah that's great but what produced that software <laughs> right it was your team and your team that that had that vision and are able to execute it and how and so um it's really it's a, it's a challenge probably one of the biggest challenges for me as the ceo is is the team um but the absolute greatest asset the greatest reward and ethan was employee number one-ish. I'm going to say one-ish. So anyway, he, he was one of the first. <laughs> so we don't have technically like... I think you're the only employee that... You're the first employee that worked on the Amazon account with me. Because my first employees were uh, in the warehouse. Right? So yeah. so you're the first one to work on Amazon with me. You know, I started off as a reseller uh, selling products <clears throat> just at local stores. Um, were you part of the team at that point where we were like buying stuff at local no. bargain shops? And... No, I wasn't. Okay, uh, that that was a little bit earlier on, I think. Okay. In your... And then I'm, I'm sure you've already told them the stories, kind of like not everything. Your... <laughs> <laughs> well, your history, your past, and kind of yeah. what led you to the point that mm-hmm. you're at. But no, I mean your company's gone through many revisions and changes for sure, and. By the time that you brought me on as like the first office employee, yeah. you've kind of gone through so much really already at that time yeah. to get to where you were and your process has already changed so much. Oh my goodness. True. And the so. idea of the business model, you know, one thing I realized is like, okay, just driving to stores. I'd heard about people on YouTube and stuff had, you know, oh man, I'm making millions of dollars a year where I got 19 people, you know, sourcing that all the different uh, outlet stores in the country and, and I'm making all this money and I'm like, ah, that's not the company that I want to build. You know, I want to build something a lot more scalable, but also something that 
I really feel like I provided value to the customer, right? Everybody, but that type of business model as a reseller, you're not really providing any value to the brands that you're selling. Um, you're just arbitraging, right? There's really no value creation. And when I started reading uh, or listening to Jeff Bezos, and I was like, you know, if, if I want to be a successful CEO, I'm going to find all the successful CEOs and just listen to every interview that I could find on YouTube, right? And that was my Good idea. <laughs> I was like, hey, I'm a pretty simple guy. I mean, let's just copy what they're doing, right? So Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, the whole uh, Henry Ford, I read his autobiography. I love autobiographies. I think biographies are cool, but they're slanted towards the view of the author. And autobiographies is straight from the horse's mouth, you know, straight from their experience. And I always feel like I get more out of hearing someone tell their own story than someone's interpretation of someone's story. That's me personally. Uh, but I, I love autobiographies. I love real live interviews. And so listening to all these guys, I heard the same thing over and over and over again. And it was two things, really. It was something about customer, 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 like Henry Ford, like when he built the car, like all he focused on was my vision of making an affordable car. Like he didn't go out to be the world's richest man. That was not his goal at the beginning. The beginning is like, how can I get anybody to afford a car? And he would just obsess over the customer, what the customers wanted, right? Because back then, the only cars that existed were, you know, obviously the luxury vehicles, people, you know, that had money could afford this crazy thing called a car, right? Yeah. And, um, and then, you know, Jeff Bezos, obviously, with Amazon, you know, he's obsessed over the customer, obsessed over the customer, talks about that all the time, and how it's important to think about the customer. And I, so I got to think about my business of just buying stuff <clears throat> at retail stores and selling it on Amazon. I was like, man, this is not a win-win-win situation. Like, this is like, the brands don't really like me. The stores that I buy from also don't really like me. <laughs> like, because I'm like buying out all their good inventory that they want to sell to multiple customers, right? Not just one. Um, you know, I'm like, you know, Amazon, I guess, might kind of like me, you know, because I'm selling stuff on their platform, but they don't act like they do. I was going to say, <laughs> you couldn't tell from the way that they treated you sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But... So it was, I was like, man, this is just not a, not a win-win-win business model. And I'm like, if I really want to build something at scale, I really feel like I need to build a win-win-win business model. And so <clears throat> I had this in the back of my mind, but as I went forward, I started buying directly for manufacturers and distributors. But even that was a, like a little, uh, a little like sketchy sometimes because like, a lot of times you know, they wouldn't want you to sell on Amazon. It's like, oh, you could buy. Here's a thousand dollars in inventory, but don't sell on Amazon because we don't need any other Amazon sellers. And then so, I I eventually I went to someone who I had a whole thing where my Amazon account got shut down and I had to get it back up and all this stuff. But that was a big big story, and I've talked about that on other podcasts before, but. But this specifically of just how we came to this business model that we have today with online selling partner is I went, I was, I was knocking on doors and just <clears throat> saying like, um, I just went on Google, typed in manufacturers near me. And I was like, hey, can I sell your product on Amazon? And I started building these face-to-face -face relationships. I was like 18 years old. And I started with this candle company, local candle company, started buying directly from them, solve some of their problems and, and selling their products. And they were not selling on Amazon at the time. And what I learned from that, I was like, wow, 
this is a lot more of a win-win situation. I mean, like the candle company is, uh, you know, getting value out of this. My customers that I'm actually selling to on Amazon, the actual end customer, I'm actually focused on them. And I'm not just like, hey, I want to make an arbitrage. I'm actually focused on them and I want to make them happy because if they're happy, then I'll have better reviews and better listing and I'll sell more candles, right? So now I'm, I'm focusing on the customer that's buying my candles. I'm focusing on the customer that I have, the, the brand that I'm working on. And um, it's more of a win-win-win situation. I'm like, wow, this is a great model. And, um, and then I started noticing that some of the biggest Amazon sellers out there <clears throat> had a similar model where they're going directly with the brands and they're building a relationship with the brands. And so... Um, you know, one that they had back in the day, it was called E-Tails and they changed their name to Caspian. And that was like, you know, the biggest Amazon seller, you know, at that time, right, was E-Tails. And they had like some sort of, from what I could perceive, they had some sort of model like that. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. So I was like, man, this is great. <clears throat> so I had figured out, okay, here is a model that I really think can scale. It can really work. I'm just sitting there in my house with my my uh, several car garage slash warehouse, you know, <laughs> had custom built. And, um, and I got my, uh, my model and I was like, okay. So I started, you know, trying to pitch bigger brands and they're like, man, this is crazy kid, you know, that's like trying to take over my Amazon business. I was like, I definitely realized, I said at that point, you know, I needed to grow a team. The only way that I could really make this model work is I have to have a team. I can only I could only handle one company by myself, right? But if I want to handle multiple companies and really scale this, I gotta have a team. I gotta have a team that has experience, that is older than me, understands more than I do. <clears throat> so, Ethan, I don't know why, but I picked you. It was the first guy. <laughs> that was interesting how it happened, but it seemed to happen perfectly. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think the reason you first hired me was I already had a love for Amazon. I shopped on it every single day, <laughs> but you don't realize until you start getting into it that the customer side of Amazon <laughs> is very different than the back side of Amazon. Yeah. But either way, I had I had a background in tech, and I had the willingness to learn and to figure it out because there's no yeah. school out there that teaches you Amazon. It's kind of like a school of hard knocks. You do it, you figure it out, you fail, and you get better. Absolutely. So you kind of brought me on that way kind of gave me all of the experience and knowledge that you had at the time. I was like, here you go. <laughs> yeah. And quite frankly, then you just kind of walked off and said, you can figure it out now. And I was like, okay, here to the sharks, my friend. <laughs> and I made lots of mistakes. And I, I mean, I made, I made lots of mistakes. I messed up thousands of listings at a time, actually. Totally time biffed it. Deleted like however many thousand listings. Of yeah, no big deal. I mean, to be fair, if you look at the percentages, <laughs> to be fair, if you look at the percentages, there's like 20,000 listings. That so, we were managing, yeah. Yeah, it was like a variation thing. But, yeah. you know, really at that point, it was like a sticker company because you're just changing the different faces of a candle. But 20,000, 30,000 variations on our account. Yeah. So if I mess up 1,000, I mean, come on, it's not that big of a percent. But when everything starts like changing over to like red and disappears, <laughs> you're like, I think I messed up. <laughs> and it, it wasn't great. And I like, you can bet from that moment, I, I was more careful with my <laughs> upload files. For sure. <laughs> so you live, you learn, you fail a lot. You fail a lot and you learn. 
and I know that's one of the one of the one of the pods I was on before yeah. I had talked about that. Yeah. I believe. And the failure is such a good thing. Yeah. It, it just pushes you forward. And so Ethan, <clears throat> we were we were in our house, right? I remember, you know, uh in my little office and here go my my little warehouse to the side and and uh and Ethan's basically just in my house and like my wife's cooking you lunch. Yeah. <laughs> That was great. Sometimes I would go in, play piano a little bit. Yeah. You know, just relax on the recliner. It was literally that scenario. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was, it was your your house, and you had an office that was the in-between the yeah. warehouse and the house, and that's where we would work. And then you had the, the warehouse that you kind of built on, yeah. small, where they would be actually packaging and, and getting things out. Yeah. And just thinking back to then, we've, we've learned so much, and you know, obviously How, the warehouse we're in oh now. Oh, my goodness, yeah. But... It, it has changed as you slowly added people on. Yeah, that's what we want to talk about. We want to talk about the that's team kind of, building. That's kind of where that's kind of where you're getting to, which yeah. is good to kind of set up the story of yeah. the whole reason you're talking about team building is because to get to team building, you have to start somewhere. Yeah, and where you started was yourself doing it all, and you were doing honestly. You could have sustained. Yeah, you absolutely. Could, absolutely could have sustained. You didn't need anybody with you. You yeah. could have killed it, but you had a vision that you wanted to grow it further. Yeah. And then what it could become. Yeah. And to do that, you need people. Absolutely. <laughs> One funny thing is that as you were adding people, so you added, so it's just Isaiah and mm, a little bit bigger than this, a little bit smaller than this room was his <laughs> office. It so, was smaller than this room. It, it was definitely smaller. <laughs> and when I came in there, there was a desk for me and it was already, you know, kind of tight. And then we got two more people that were going to be in the office. And we put them in that same office. So an office that's really meant for one person now has four people in it. So like before you before you like got out of your chair, you had to make like the backup sound. You had to look behind you, make sure you weren't gonna ram into someone. Because two people moving at the same time, it just didn't work. But oh, man. You know. and then we then we we threw Josh behind the door, like when when <laughs> of the office, right? So like you would always have the door. <laughs> I forgot about that door. Like, you know, like, congratulations, you work at OSP, and you're behind that door. Yeah, so when it swings open, watch out. Don't swing it too fast. Oh, man. It's working with what you have, you know. So yeah, we, we quickly moved out of that as we as we kept growing. But you yeah. had to keep adding people on, and you're starting to go from a single-person yeah. company into what you have today. So that dynamics changed for you a ton. Yeah, and it will continue to change as we scale and grow. But I think, um, you know, for me, I knew nothing about that. You know, I had zero background, man. I'm like a teenager. Uh, it's just a hustler to now I'm building a team. Like the only inspiration or, you know, none of my family really had much experience, you know, building a team. Um, I uh, I didn't really have any mentors besides YouTube. So it was kind of like, you know, it's been, it, it was very organic and I, I learned a lot. Um, but what's really cool is, so after Ethan is I hired Steve, which is our current COO here at Online Selling Partner. And Steve worked at Pitney Bowes, which is a big um, Fortune 500 company at one time anyway. He was there and um, so he had a lot of experience with operations and with just, just business. In general, and he was a family friend, so I, I knew him from a while back. And one thing that I I really ingrained and started in the beginning with my team is I I created a vision for my company. And you know our our vision definitely is we 
uh, exist in, uh, we do a lot of giving and we're very focused on giving back to our community and to causes that we care about. And so I was very transparent with that, with our team, you know, with Ethan, when he started with Steve, when he started and every single uh, person that comes on to say, Hey, we want to build this company so we can give. Right. And that's really the basis of the company to its core. And so we started with that vision and that's really helped because it's helped. I believe like inspire the team to say, Hey, we're working for something bigger than just a paycheck. And, um, it, it helps inspire me quite frankly, especially when I'm having hard days. The bad days. Yeah. yeah and, and knowing that, Hey, we're making a difference in other people's lives. So I think, you know, you don't have to have that vision. Um, but I think one thing I would say right now is just if you, if you are, uh, running a company or thinking about starting your own company is to make sure you have a vision that you, you're inspired. If you're not inspired with the vision, no one's going to be inspired with the vision. It's, it's not going to translate down through the rest Correct. of your team. It's got to be so clear. Yeah. You've got to live, breathe it, good days, bad days. Yeah. It's got to be you. That's right. <laughs> it's got to be instilled in you because then the people below you, that's the only way that they're going to end up receiving, receiving it and believing it because the moment that you falter on that, they're going to be like, well, this is their vision. If they don't even fully believe it, then I can't. Absolutely. hundred percent there. And so I think, uh, you know, started with the vision. So you know, a lot of people don't have that. So, you know, I was very blessed to have that at the beginning. Um, and I didn't have to worry about that. So we kind of created, uh, even before I hired Ethan, I had created a core, um, uh, vision and, and core. Oh my goodness. Core values core values yeah. and you know we, we you know some of our core values here are humility um making mistakes and learning from them that was actually on my contract by the way yes <laughs> it literally and, and then I, I think i remember isaiah pointed up at the wall and i think there there was a quote up there and i think it talked about making mistakes and i think isaiah said to me directly he's like are you are you okay making mistakes and quite frankly i I'm not really the person that likes that. Yeah. I don't think really anyone is, but I specifically, <laughs> and I think it holds a lot of people back. Yeah. I don't want to get too off topic, but I really no, no, do. It's good. I, I think you're, we're so afraid of making those mistakes that we rather just not do it. I yeah. wanted to be so perfect yeah. that I wouldn't do things because I knew if I did it, I would probably fail. Yeah. And that's just how I, I wanted to be good at my job. I wanted to be good at everything that I do. I think it's okay to want that. And then the contract and on the wall and Isaiah was like, okay, you've got to be able to fail. Are you going to fail? And I was like, well, no, I don't, I don't want to. He's like, well, you have to, you have to fail. You must fail. And I was like, I don't think that makes any sense to me. And then it started making sense, <laughs> but that, that was, it was so in like his core as he was building this culture of what yeah. he wanted. He wanted people to, to be able to have that. Yeah. And if you can't be ready to fail, then you can't be on the team because you have to fail to learn and to grow. Yeah. If you're not failing, you're probably not growing. That's right. And as a team, you're, you have to be able to grow else you won't make it. <laughs> That's right. Because things change so much and you have to be able to grow with it. So, right. you know, you don't see that from the beginning, but uh, apparently Isaiah kind of had an idea on that. And I'm sure it, it wasn't, 
exactly the way it's turning out now. I'm it was sure pretty. It was pretty fuzzy it. at the beginning. <laughs> I just knew that we were going to make a lot of mistakes and needed to learn from them. <laughs> but uh, you know, so that it was pretty fuzzy at the beginning. But it's turned out really better than I expected, especially that part. And then you know, and so we you know have several core values, but uh, one of them was. I'll talk about this is that, you know, you can change things over time. Like, like one of ours was flexibility and it's still a part of our, um, our culture is flexibility. But what I've learned is that sometimes you can be too flexible in your company and you can be like, Oh, we'll do everything, you know, and you're not focused on really what you need to be focused on. So reining that back and adding focus <laughs> to the core values with flexibility <laughs> is definitely you know trying to find that balance. So anyway, as you're building building your 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 core val- core values, you know you might not always get them right the first time, but learn as you go, and then and hire and fire based on those core values. Because you know I don't really hire based off of skill set, uh, not always, but but I always hired based off of the values. Like if somebody could get behind the values, um, I think is way more important than necessarily being an Amazon expert or because I think you can learn those things it might take you six months or eight months or whatever. But as long as you, you have those core values, I think it helps build that team. So that's, that was kind of the, you know, and I've made a lot of mistakes on, you know, uh, my expectations of the team. I mean, I could go so many things, a team building, like, you know, I would hire somebody have great background and everything. My expectation would be here. And then be like, Man, this guy is gonna pick everything up in three weeks, and it's like, okay, wow, you know, it it would drive me crazy, right? As as a, a team leader, be like, ah, you know. But after I've worked with people, learned with people, I've learned, okay, what to expect from people. You know, you could have the best background in the world, but if you don't understand this industry and you're coming into it, you know, it's it takes time. You know, everything takes time. So sure. that's that's been a huge learning for me. Um, but then. I, I also think you got to be careful on the speed that you grow your teams and then also making sure, you know, we went from that small team to, you know, we have 30 plus people now in just uh, uh you know, four year period, five year period, something like that. It was a short time. Yeah. So, you know, I think uh, one thing that we learned and could have done better is defining um, team structures. We, it's, we were just like, okay, team of five people. Now we're a team of 30 people where we were like, okay, really should be groups of five, six, seven, you know, people, multiple teams within the team, right? And we didn't have really a structure in place for that uh, at the beginning. So, you know, now we use uh, EOS. We I read this awesome book called Traction, which a lot of you probably are aware of, but um, it's a framework for your business. It's an operating system. Like, hey, this is how you set up uh, an accountability chart is what they call it, which is like an org chart, but keeps it talks about accountability of who's accountable for what and how to structure things. Um, we have systems in place of our meetings, uh, our cadence of meetings, our quarterly meetings, our weekly meetings. You know, uh, it's so important to look into these things and start doing these things. And I think... Uh, having a operating system there's lots of them out there there's a lot of people that can can help you with that but traction's great or some flavor of uh, you know eos is just just been really helpful and i think uh you know that's something that we've been really implementing over the last 12 to 18 months and it's made huge changes that everybody's more focused on the numbers and more focused on accountability and 
what is our quarterly goals and all that stuff. And um, I would say, you know, it, it's been it's been game changing uh, for sure. But I think really what I want to get into, I could talk about Traction EOS and, and how we implemented it and everything. But I think something that is really core and what is really, um, you know, important to, to every team is uh, it's, it's trust. So uh, there's a book I read called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And uh, the author of that it has some other really good books, like Death by Meeting. And, and uh, you know, there's so all, a lot of good stuff there. But he um, talks about what is the ideal team player. And it was kind of funny, like one of his things is, is tiring people that are humble and smart um, and are hungry. And which is just kind of funny, which was similar to a lot of our core values. So I thought that was interesting. But um, what's really important and something that I didn't quite realize is the importance of trust and not just like, hey, Ethan, I trust you to, you know, get your job done or whatever, which there's a lot of trust like that. But but vulnerability trust, like, hey, Ethan, I'm comfortable with letting you know, like, that I failed or I'm comfortable. Um, going to you, Ethan, and say, Ethan, you stink, you know, like, <laughs> you just really got that wrong, you know, and calling each other out, because sometimes if you're like friends with your employees, or you have, you know, uh, this, build this bond, and, you, and there's all these politics that come in, and there's money involved, and all these things, you don't want to offend them, and blah, 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 but just making sure that not only, you know, going one way, but both ways, all throughout your team, if it's if it's to your boss, if it's to a uh, person right next to you and your your your, your seat next to you, got to be comfortable being vulnerable, but also being able to challenge them and have healthy conflict. And that's like that's huge. That is huge. I don't care where you're at, but especially when you're working at a high speed, high change um, environment with selling on Amazon, is you know there's 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 not a lot of room for that type of internal uh, disconnect, right? You have to have that internal um, connection where you can say like, hey, at least we can hold each other accountable. Yeah, yeah. you got you to be able to give it and you have to be able to take it. That's right. It's both sides. It's that balance you need. Yeah. And it's it's not easy. Not easy. And it's probably different than most people are used to. Yeah. Because... I, like when I came in to the company, you had a very easy time of trusting and, and saying like, what's going on. Yeah. Maybe sometimes I was just not used to it. Sometimes it was, it was maybe too much for me to even take. I wasn't ready to take it. Yeah. Cause I, I remember early on, you know, you'd look at me and go, Ethan, that was stupid. And I was like, okay. <laughs> But, you know, it's, you know, and, and maybe the, the delivery was a little bit different. It wasn't, you know, I've, we're on a different page now. I've, I've, I've worked with him so long. I, I get what's happening. The thing that I did is stupid. The way it came across, but I've been like, you're dumb. No, it's not, it's not what's happening. But the point is I had to kind of, I have to change. I had to change to understanding and it's both sides. Yeah. You know, we've had to communicate with each other differently, right. but I have to be willing to be able to take it myself and understand. <laughs> that it, it's okay. There is something that needs to change here. 
and Isaiah has to be able to change himself on how he delivers. I have to change how I receive. Yes. But the whole point of it is it's for the company in the end. That's right. That the whole the whole point of that conversation and everything was not to make anyone feel bad on how things are, but what can we do to fix it for the betterment of the company, for the betterment of the team? That's right. So when you're talking about team building now and what you're going through, it's trying to help people get to the point to realize like it's not about you calling me stupid or me calling you stupid. It's not even it's nothing like that. It's more yeah. of like if there's problems or things going on, can we get past the fact that it's not a personal thing between me and you? It's like there's something that we need to get to the the, the crux of the issue so we can fulfill like what the company's goals are better. Yeah. Because if you get caught on this level, then you're never going to be able to achieve the higher level. So that's what the team building, you know, I think we're referring to is being able to get to that trust to where you can walk into them and say, I think we're having some issues here. Can we discuss it and can we fix it? Yeah. And I think um, having intentional exercises is important with that and, and making sure that you don't have too many direct reports is very important um, because you can't handle because it. Your direct reports require time require time, require you to spend time with them. And your success is your team's success, right? And so making sure that, that you have enough time with your direct reports. If you have 17 direct reports, it just, it's just not fine. So it just doesn't work. And then there's a lot of ambiguity and distrust and things that happen with that report. So that's, that's number one. But, you know, as you dig deeper into it, and um, you have to trust others to manage those direct reports, even if it's, sometimes I'm like, Man, Ethan, I don't know if you're ready to to manage those people that I was managing. You know, sometimes I have to like just give that leap of faith to just say like, yes, you can do. It, you know, because I need my my things off my plate. But one thing I found out is I had an issue where several employees had uh, were having issues with with another employee, and so my fix was always just go talk it out, right? You know, for me, like I, I'm like really good at just like going to somebody and say, hey, let me let's just talk it out, but what I, what I found out is that the problem wouldn't get solved. And I was like, what's the problem? And, and the real problem was, is that there was a trust issue. And I, between those employees were not comfortable with conflict with the other employees. And that employee wasn't necessarily comfortable with conflict either. So, uh, so it was kind of like, oh, wow, there's a, there's, a, there's a trust issue, a vulnerability trust issue. And so... I, uh, what I did to fix it, so I went to that boy and I said, hey, here's what I think is happening. I think we're having a, a trust issue. I think people are having a hard time coming to you with conflict and challenging you because they're afraid the way it's going to be perceived. And so can we work on that? You know, and, and that employee, which was behind the vision and 100% and everything, was like, yes, let, let's work on it. And so we worked through it and, um, you know, we're still working through trust and trying to build trust with the organization and with members of the team that that aren't necessarily comfortable with challenging each other and holding each other accountable because if you're not comfortable having healthy conflict with one another and you're not comfortable like expressing what you think then you really feel like oh well then why do i have to be held to the results right because like oh, i didn't you know i didn't make that decision anyway right let it burn you know <laughs> and that's literally been said you know I've heard it, you know, within the organization, like, oh, well, I didn't make that decision. So let the train wreck, you know, it's like, what? No, 
that's not how we were supposed to play here, guys. We're not a team, you know? And so that's been huge for me is just understanding me. And it's it's always going to be a work in progress. Yeah. There's always going to be things you can do to, to get better, to, Absolutely. to make that team come together more. But as long as you have that vision to keep pushing for it yeah. and keep trying your best to make sure the team can really connect, I think you're going to be okay. Yeah. And I think, so. you know, whoever's listening to this has been through all these things. And at the end of the day, you know, sometimes, you know, a person just doesn't work in the and it's it's really hard and you have to figure out. But usually those people find themselves. Usually the, from my little experience in, in running is usually those people find themselves and it, it becomes apparent um, when you hold them to numbers and, and then they it just it just kind of gets flushed out. I've seen so I have a lot to learn. So if anybody. Uh, has any stories about this please leave it in the comments below and i would love to to hear your experience with team building and what you've you've uh been through with building your company or building your team maybe you're an entrepreneur in the organization and uh i'd love to love to hear your story any final thoughts no final thoughts happy to be part of the team (laughs) 